Ah, let's play a game. Again and welcome to yet another edition of Is It Worth It? Now, if this is the first time you've listened to the show, what I do is normally I would pull down a game from my shelf, play it, and tell you whether or not I feel it's worth it for its current eBay price. Today, however, little different. Today, I have a very special guest with me in the way of superfan, Mr. James Milholland. How you doing, James? Great, great, thanks. Nice, glad to be here. Glad to have you, man. And it's super good that we have James on the show with me because the game we're reviewing is Dragon Force for the Sega Saturn, and unfortunately, I was unable to play said game. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Blaine, you, you always own the game that you play. Well, this time, I wasn't able to do it. This game does command quite a price. I wasn't able to come up with a, extra money to get this game in time for the podcast. And so I decided I'd emulate it. Well, I decided I'd try to emulate it. I tried Saturn. I tried SFF. Um, all I ended up doing was getting a lot of malware on my computer and having to reformat the thing. So that was a lot of fun. Um, ultimately, I decided I would just watch some Let's Plays, uh, read up about the game so I wasn't completely unknowledgeable about it. And man, let me tell you, this is a cool looking game and I really wish I was able to play it. But luckily I do have Mr. James with me and he is able to fill us in on the finer points of this game. So thank you so much, James. Absolutely. So I'm going to start off by just giving you the things I can tell you about the game. Dragon Force is a real-time strategy tactics type game. And as I said, it was released for the Sega Saturn. It was obviously a Japan-made game, but it was released here in the States by Working Designs. Now, everyone knows Working Designs as being the creators of Lunar, or Lunar 2, um, Popful Mail, Silhouette Mirage, just a bunch of great stuff, Grow Lancer, that would not have came to the States were it not for Vic Island and his team. So we will be forever in their debt for that. Um, it was also released in Europe also by Working Designs, and it had a sequel that was also released in Japan, but never here. Um, and this game was released, again, unfortunately not here, for the PlayStation 2 in Japan on a Sega Ages compilation. So, And they also have it available on their friggin' PSN network, and we do not. So, once again, wasn't able to play it, so that kind of sucks. Um, now, this game opens up with a cutscene which is narrated by the same guy that does the voice of Galleon. I didn't have to look it up instantly when I watched it. I was like, oh, that's Galleon, you know. So that's cool. And the storyline, at least the opening storyline, was a little uh, less than Shakespeare, if you will, to me. But it was still there. It takes place in this world called Legendra. And this goddess, uh, is Aleski, is that how you pronounce it, James? Yeah, I'd say that, or Astea. Astea, okay. Yeah, the way it's spelt, I would say Asti, and I'm pretty sure they wouldn't name a goddess after that. So, um, And uh, she creates this world, and it's basically Earth, although there's magical beings like in the way of elves and magicians and such, dragons. And um, it's a good world. And then this evil god, Madruk, shows up with his armies. And... To stop him, a, defend, a defender 
came forth in the way of star dragon Harzgalt, and he had these chosen warriors known as the Dragon Force. And they fight it out for, I believe it said in the intro, 100 years. And all the generals that this guy has with him, this uh, dragon Harzgalt, uh, end up squabbling amongst themselves and falling because of it. And Harzgalt ends up fighting Mad Duck, or Mad Duck, by himself. And um, after this hundred year battle, he has just enough energy, you know, they're both worn down evidently, to put this guy to sleep. And he prophesizes that there will be eight heroes that will emerge in the future that may be able to take down Madruk, right? Something like that? Absolutely. And then it's 300 years later. Yeah. And this game takes place. So 300 years after the great battle, we are greeted to, you know, you, you start the game and you choose one of the eight. And depending on which one you choose, you get a very different storyline. Some of them have less than um, good motives. Some of them are more excuse me, lawful good type, everything like that. Um, the different characters we have in this game are, uh, looks like a monk named King Leon. Most of these guys are kings or queens of their own nations. And in his opening uh, profile picture, it says, Solomon, deeply religious, Leon rules by his kingdom quietly. However, his tacit manner of governing the people of Topaz should not be mistaken for weakness. He is a very capable warrior. So he looks pretty badass. He's a... Uh, Kind of a brown color. Each character, as James pointed out pre-show, is a different color and uh, contrasts very nicely so you know which is which, I suppose. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. You'll, we'll, we'll get into it during gameplay, but each character is represented by a different colored flag, and his is like a burnt orange or brown. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, we have a, the very baby-faced King Reinhardt of the Kingdom of Tradnor, and it says, though gifted with the face of an innocent child, Reinhardt is direct blood relative of the fighting god Valhart. He does not lust for battle like his father, but he is willing and able to incinerate any that challenge him. And he's a very bright red color, and I'm assuming he's a priest or mage? Something like that. Yeah, he's definitely a magician or priest. Uh, he is one of the unlockable characters, one of the ones you cannot choose when first starting the game. Oh, is that right? So maybe I'm maybe I'm actually missing one of the uh, initial eight. Yeah, I did read that there were two that um, you could unlock, and I thought I thought that, that no, that's uh, Reinhardt and Goldark. Those two have to be unlocked. You only have oh. six to choose from. At initially, the I see. Yeah. Okay, so I did get the the correct eight, but um, two of them you have to unlock. I see. Very mm-hmm. cool stuff, man. Yeah, this game, like the more I learn about it the more i just i'm lusting after it i'm gonna have to sell some magic cards or or something to be able to get this <laughs> it's it has truly just piqued my interest um uh, next up i have of the tristan empire emperor janon is that how you pronounce it junin i said junin yes yeah, junin Mm-hmm. And it says, he rules the mightiest nation in the eastern Legendra with a fist of iron. Due to his ice-cool leadership and deadly sword techniques, foes have come to fear the Black Knight of Masked Death. Now, very obviously, this guy is black, and he looks suitably badass and uh, probably very evil, I'm guessing. You know, it actually ends up being quite the contrary at this one. I don't want to... Well, should I spoil it for everyone? I mean... Of the, of our listeners, I'm guessing 5% have played the game, and they played it com- 
to completion, and there might be another 5% that, after listening to this, are going to try and seek this out. But let me tell you, if they're trying to emulate it, they've got a job on their hands, or they're much smarter than I am. So you go ahead and spoil away, bud. Well, the Black Knight of Mass Death is actually a blonde-haired little girl. What? Yes. Game changer. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, not getting that at all from the picture. Um, no. Wow, it's like a scene from Men in Black where the big guy is controlled by a little tiny alien in the head. Okay. That's it. <laughs> and as as her storyline plays out, she wants to perceive herself as being a black knight, you know, a macho person. But in reality, no, she's right there with everyone else. I see. Wow, that's a neat twist, to say the least. Um, up next we have in... I want to say an orange or a yellow Emperor of Fandaria, Emperor Goldark, which you said is one of the other unlockable characters, I believe. He is one of the unlockable characters, and he is seen as one of the major villains out of the Eight Kingdoms. I see. We'll talk about why in a little bit. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's kind of an older gentleman, very big guy, though, and he's nicknamed the Mad Lion by the inhabitants of Legendria. Uh, this power-hungry monarch rules Fandaria with an iron fist, but lusts for nothing short of absolute domination of Legendria. He is rumored to have hidden... a to have a hidden agenda, but none can fathom it. So yeah, this guy, even in his uh, profile description, is kind of described as being a little shady, uh, mm -hmm. to say the least, and he kind of has that smirk about him of someone that you wouldn't uh, trust right off the bat. Yet when you play his um, campaign, you realize it's all you know just misunderstood. misunderstood. Oh, wow. So again, mm -hmm. quite the twist. Nice. Um, yeah. Next up, we have what I would assume, of course, you'll probably tell me he turns out to be, you know, the most evil dictator ever outside of Hitler, um, of the Highland Kingdom, King Wayne, or Wine? Yeah, I'd say Wayne, but Wayne. yeah. Yeah, after taking the throne of Highland at the age of 17, Wine quickly proved his worth as a capable, compassionate leader and cunning warrior. His reputation amongst the people of the Jindra has grown to the point that generals plead to join his forces, and he's a white knight. Blonde hair, blue-eyed, white knight. Looks like he'd probably be lawful good if this was D&D. &D. Yes, that's absolutely accurate. He is that guy. Okay. And no twist on him, then? No real twist, although if you play as some of the other campaigns, he does um, get a little moody and may not join you right away. But uh, for the most part, yeah, he's a good guy. I see, okay. Um, the next one up we have in blue of the Pale Moon Kingdom, Queen Tyrus. This charming offspring of the elves possesses unusually strong magic. Though her face shines with the radiance of angels, it masks the steely resolve to keep the kingdom of Pale Moon safe from attack by the surrounding jackals. And, yeah, she looks like she's a mage of some sort. Yep, sorceress, mage, sure. Yeah, go figure. Uh, mm -hmm. And, let's see, from the Bozak Nation, I'm assuming that's not... Oh, that's a little too close to Balzac for me. But <laughs> Bozak Nation, Lord Gongos, who looks like, uh, well, he's a very short, hunched-over guy, and this is the Let's Play that I watched the most of. I watched about three hours of a guy playing uh, under uh, Gongos here. And he's in green, and um, I don't know, he looks almost like a midget, but not quite. He's very powerful-looking, and he has uh, tribal 
paint and stuff all over him. And his thing says, despite his diminutive appearance, Gongos rules the jungle nation of Bozak with a strong beast-like manner. He is dearly loved by his subjects, who refer to him as the Guardian of the Forest. And I think... Oh, nope, there is one more. My apologies. And one that I did watch some of Let's Play as well. Um, from the Izumo Nation, Emperor Mikhail. And um, he's in purple, it looks like. Or a violet. Purple. Yeah. Yep. An expert samurai trained to use the mysterious Kusanagi sword technique, Mikhail expertly rules the small realm left to him by his father. However, the desire to roam across the land of Legendra burns within him. Okay, yeah. man, he looks pretty cool. Like, to be honest, if I were to choose any characters solely based off profile, I think Mikhail's my guy. Mikhail is a good guy. I think he has the hardest campaign. However, everything I've read about it thinks, thinks Gongos has the hardest campaign. Oh, is that right? Probably a toss between one and the other. I see. Okay. Well, um, from what I saw of the game, uh, you start off with your little kingdom and a couple of generals, right? You get four generals. Oh, so each nation starts with four. Four plus your guy. So you so actually five. have... Actually, you know what? Yeah, yeah, there's five total. Okay, cool. And you can send these generals out in a overhead map, think Final Fantasy Tactics style, right? Where you have predetermined line-to-line to various castles and areas, towns, etc., right? Yeah, I was going to describe it more... Yeah, like that. that's actually a better description. I was going to say like a risk board... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a better that's a better description. But unlike Final Fantasy Tactics, there are also enemies that you can clearly see that are walking between these lines and moving about that you can run into and then battle, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, you can. It's 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 happening. The whole thing's happening in real time. So if nothing's going on in your particular part of the map, you can kind of pan back and like watch other kingdoms battle each other. So it's really interesting. So can you let? Like, use that to your advantage in any way? Let one nation take over another one, and then because they're weakened by having fought that guy, go and swoop in or anything like that? Absolutely. That's a big part of the game. No nation will ever 100% take over another nation. Your character has to go to each of the individual kingdoms and do that. However, you can wait for, like, one group to storm a castle, make the generals at that particular castle weakened, and then you can slide in right afterwards and clean up shop. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And um, so when you do run into these battles, you have, uh, and the, this is gorgeous. I can't, like, anyone listening, just look up a YouTube video of this and, and just to see what the Saturn was capable of because there are at times hundreds of sprites on screen, right? Yeah, there could be up to 200. That is insane. You know, and granted, they're not like, uh, they're beautiful sprites. They don't have a, a whole lot of animation to them. They typically have like an attack and a running animation or whatever, you know, very simple. But it's still really neat to just see that many sprites all going at it at one time. And you have a general on each side, your general, and then they have their general. And you each have uh, special moves that you can use. And then you can do formations of different types with your army to do different things. And you're going to have to explain that because I only gleamed a little bit of how that went. Yeah. Um, start there. Yeah. So each side you have your each general, like you said, there's general on general. Um, and then you have some troops in front of that general. 
Um, it can range anywhere from 10 troops out to 100 troops. Um, we'll have to talk about the different troop classes and different general classes later. Yeah, absolutely. But when you um, set you set your battle, um, you then determine yeah what formation you want. You have an offensive formation, defensive formation, um, attack formation. God, there's there's at least I think 15 roughly. Wow. Um, you can choose from. Different generals have different formations. Also, if you're being attacked, you have different formations. If you're doing the attacking, you have different formations. If you meet um, head-to-head, like in a neutral area, you might have different formations. Um, so there's all kinds of different ones. Usually, you get to choose between five for any particular battle. Okay. Um, and then the battle begins, and there's a timer. I think it's, I want to say it's 90 seconds or one minute you have. I think it's 90 seconds, 99 seconds. I think about 100 seconds. For the battle, and once you have your formation, you choose what you want to do to attack. Do you want to have your troops just stay put and wait for the other um, enemies to advance on you? Do you want to have your troops just run at the other general and attack the other general, or do you want to hit melee or me- melee and just have everyone just start hitting everybody and killing everyone? Right, um, and there is an advantage to staying still. I read that uh, half is half again as many of the same type of troops say you have 20 soldiers versus their 40 if they rush at you and you stand fast you should still be able to win that because of uh, the formation you've chosen is a more defensive formation i would assume true but it also can depend on the troop class you have because there's I, I can I think there's 10 different troop classes yeah and if you have just per se like harpies and they have archers um they're going to blast you out of the sky so you're going right. to want to charge them but yeah yeah for the most part yeah if you stay if, if it's soldier on soldier you stay put um you have a slight advantage plus your general can also start hitting um the incoming troops and if you have some troops that are blocking your general's flank your general can only have to hit forward it can be a huge advantage yeah and how badass are these generals that they can stand there when they're you know 100 troops attacking them sometimes and just not die immediately you know (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) these guys are definitely super saiyan uh type people to be able to do that and and they have uh abilities that are like that as well you know as i said i watched the gongos campaign and he has an ability called like cross slash where he jumps across the screen or something and does a bunch of stuff and each character each general has moves like that some of them are more magic oriented and stuff if they're a magician or whatever and yeah can you tell us a little bit about I guess the different, you said there were 10 different types of attacking mobs that you can have in this game. Now, I know of beastmen, I know of archers, I know of the mages, uh, you mentioned harpies, there's soldiers, uh, I would assume there's some kind of samurai or ninjas. There's samurai, there's cavalry, there's dragons, there's zombies. Ooh. Um, let's see, so I have it written down. Soldier, cavalry, mage, samurai, archer, monk, harpy, beast dragon and zombie those are the main ones okay and then there's some other ones later on i guess too. there's yeah when you get towards the very end of the game there's some other ones that they may look like um ones you've already seen but they they have a slight different ability um they're pretty rare though so i won't go too far into those because i don't you don't see those as much all right um and they ha- kind of have a rock, paper, scissors type of deal where they may be very good against one and then not so great against another and so on and so forth. To put it bluntly, yeah, yeah, that's that's the easiest way to describe it. A massive game of paper, rock, scissors, however. It's more like rock, paper, scissors. Lizard, regular. Spock. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, 
So from there, uh, gosh, where should we go, James? Uh, you know more than me. Well, we should mention um, not only are there are all these different types of soldiers, there's all kinds of different types of generals. Fighters, knights, magicians, uh, priests, spirit users, monks, ninjas, samurai, beasts, thieves, um, all different types of different generals you can have. And then those generals have different types of abilities. I mean, the same fighter will have different abilities than another fighter. Hmm. Um, I did. I was going to throw out a number, but I actually looked it up earlier today. There's 170 generals in this game. Nice. And these generals you can recruit. Uh-huh. And, you know, make part of your overall army, or they might not want to recruit with you. We can talk about that guy later, but... Oh, there's uh, only one character that just will not join you? There's a lot, yeah, because part of the game, about a third of the game is spent um, back at your home castle, where you... um, God, what's the name of it? It's like where you have... They come and they talk to you, um, and you're able to, like, kind of reinforce your kingdom... Uh, you can hold audience with your court. You can you talk. Fortify cap- your castle. Yeah, fortify your and fortify search for your, an item, right? Yeah, search for items, mm-hmm. and um, that's where you can talk to different generals. And I think it's kind of preset. Like some generals are more w- likely and willing to join, you know, Wayne, the White Knight, and less likely to join, um, you know, the Topaz army. Yeah, sure. So, that makes sense. so you talk to there's you know there's 170 out there, so you got to talk to everyone because the more you have, you know, the more powerful you can be. Yeah. Um, then just to kind of go back to the end of the the um, the battle system, since we were talking about it, um, if all troops are gone, mm-hmm. then it goes general on general, mano right. mano. Yeah, I saw some of that. Yeah, I saw some of that. It's um, it's unfortunately all you do is just click attack or retreat, and it's kind of at that point just I don't know dice game of who's going to win. Right. Um, some generals are better against other generals. You, you can level up your generals, so a higher level fighter will beat a lower level fighter. Um, but it's it can be pretty intense there, and it can it takes a lot of strategy to know like what generals are going to set against what generals. You know what troops work against what troops. How do you attack? When do you attack? It is it is a fantastic fighting system i think yeah it, it really does look um really cool i i want to get into it more for sure um gosh i i had a thought and i lost it great blind um had to do a general in general nah nope it's gone okay uh probably will cut that part out hopefully well we can talk about um like after you win a bat once you go back to your audience and your court system um Every battle you win, you get you get a medal. Merit points, essentially. Merit points, yes, yes. And what you do is you can spend those medals on your generals, and every time you spend one on a general, you get more troops. That's why some troops they start. Some generals start out with ten troops. Right. You can level them up by giving them these medals and get all the way up to a hundred troops. Right, which is and the goal. I I read um, you want to give generals you want to keep uh, merits whenever. They like you want to bring them into battle to get a merit first of all, and then once they do get a merit, you want to give them said merit because if you don't do that enough, they may leave you. They may leave you absolutely. Oh, so you got to try and keep everyone happy, or the ones you want happy, and um, the ones you don't want, you still got to throw them a bone once in a while if you wanted to be be part of your overall uh, army and kingdom. And I, I did remember what I was going to say. Um, sometimes on the general verse general battles or just in general (laughs) um (laughs) when you are defeated you'll either be injured or in very rare cases i read that character can die 
They can die or they can be captured, absolutely. Yeah, and if you capture an enemy general, then after some time when you do go to your home base and you you know, you know get all the options to fortify, search, etc., you can yeah. um, ask to see whether or not they'll join you. Yeah. Yes, that's when you can give them an audience and you can talk with them and they're, they call it a captive at that point. You can get them to join you. And then you can also give an audience to your current generals. A lot of generals require that. You at least listen to them, listen to their advice. If you don't, they might leave you as well. Oh, wow. And uh, pro tip, I, I read that um, you shouldn't fortify your castle. At least that's what the fact I read said, because it gets fortified automatically anyway. And you should use all of your generals one by one to search for items. And if they find a general... Then you recruit that guy, save, and save before you search, and then save after you search, and then search with the next general that has, I think it's intelligence 70 or more. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I that's mean, a great strategy. Yeah. I, you know. That way you get all the generals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't need to collect all of them, but yeah, that, that's something you do. I would do that every time. I would search with, because only like one out of every five of your generals can search. Right. So there's only certain ones. Um, so you want to search with all of them. Find weapons. Find You can find uh, medals that will allow you to actually change the troop class for a general. So like Wayne starts out with soldiers. If you want him to eventually have samurai, you got to find a uh, metal samurai, and then you can attach it to Wayne, and he can start having samurai soldiers. That's cool, yeah. So how many different types of soldiers ultimately can any one general command? Uh, ultimately, can you have one general that can command anything? Yeah, you can have them up to 10. Um, ten. However, you can only s- recruit one group at a time. So you can't have like one general with like 10 different soldiers at once. They can only hold um, one group at a time. I see. Okay. But but before battle, you can have your one guy that can, fill, you can switch around. Yeah, he can fill any niche that you might need. Okay, cool. Yes, Very cool. Yeah. But those, those medals are, are rare, so they don't come up as often. Especially some are rarer than others. Like dragons are super rare. Zombies are rare. Um, and then if you, you'd have to like take over a kingdom in order to find, like you take over the McCall kingdom, the samurai group to find samurai, uh, metals. So they can't, can take a while to find these things. And now I don't know where to go from here. I've about exhausted my knowledge of the game. Um, you said you recently played through it, right? Or played fairly far into it, I believe. Which campaign yeah. did you choose? You know, I've played all of them, and wow. I like all of them. Um, the one I originally started with way back when I first bought this game was, of course, Wayne the White Knight. Obviously. And then I had a couple of buddies uh, that lived next door, and they each picked a different one. One had uh, McCall, the uh, samurai, and the other one chose, well, he thought he was cho- choosing a cool, awesome black knight, which ended up being a girl, so we gave him crap for that <laughs> for a while. That's cool, but we. Those are the first three we played with, played all the way through the game. We all three beat the game, and then we all went through and picked somebody else. And um, since, of course, you know, years down the line, I've gone back through and I've chosen everybody trying to find, you know, the hardest match because I'm at the point now where I really just want a challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, like I think we were saying earlier, uh, McCall and Gongos are both, I think, the cha- the most challenging ones and the most fun to play with. So the two that I would choose are the... Yes. Great, or, or the hardest ones. Yeah, maybe I'll, if I ever get this, which hopefully I get this very soon, I'll just start off with the White Knight and uh, go from there. Um, now, I don't know a whole lot. I, I gave the opening story of the game, but I assume that as you play through the different characters, you unlock little 
clues as to the other characters and such and all after having played all eight it unlocks the ultimate like complete telling of the story right because you're seeing it from all the different perspectives of the eight that is absolutely correct Mm -hmm. absolutely correct you you get to get each of their little backstories and why they're doing what they're doing and you you realize they're all really on the same page they all discover they're part of the dragon force but they have no idea who the other dragon force members are um but as you can you know as a game player you realize eight kingdoms eight members so hopefully you'd think they'd put the same thing together especially after they find the first couple of them oh hey the king of my neighboring kingdom is also one. Weird. I wonder where the other ones are. You'd think right. they'd be together. But, yeah, they each... Go ahead. No, no. You as the main... I was just going to say, you as the main character are the one that have to kind of recruit the other seven in order to uh, beat Maduk or whatever, Marduk. Correct. Correct, okay. And uh, you do that by gaining Har... Is it Harlock or Harrock? Gosh. He's got a weird dragon name. Yeah, that's the very, very end of the game, yeah. Right, you get his power and use that to defeat him okay well um is there any like story bits you want to convey um or anything else you can think of as to you know needs to be said about the game because you know not there's not a whole lot i mean the story it's different between all eight kingdoms but at the same time a lot very similar i mean it's really the the end at the end of the day you're just a, a general of one army and you're trying to recruit the other eight or the other seven Dragon Force members. There's not a whole lot to go with the story. I mean, they, it has this nice telling of what happened in the past, but then once you get there, um, there's not a whole lot that goes on. I see. So this is more or less less story, more gameplay type of action. Far more. Yeah, okay. Far cool. more gameplay. That's 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 cool. A lot, a lot of the games that uh, Working Designs makes are more story-oriented, like the oriented like the uh, Lunar series. Uh, granted, they have a great battle system, too, but you know what kept you playing those games was the story, so I was just wondering if this followed suit. Um, oh, gosh, where was I going to go? I keep losing my mind. I've been up way too long, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we can talk more about the gameplay and how it's actually set out. I'll listen to anything about this game, for sure. Whatever you want to tell me. So essentially, um, once you're in your domestic affairs, that's when, like we talked about, you it's just like a menu screen, and you just you know click around, you know search for items, talk to generals, um, give awards... Um, those are the main things. Give an audience, fortify your uh, kingdoms. Then once you click, you know, end of this section, you go out. It goes back to like the real world or the main world, the um, Final Fantasy Tactics or Risk Board. <laughs> and then you have a set period of time. I think you have. I, I think I timed it once at like three minutes or three actual like you know minutes. <laughs> and that's where you're able to start moving your troops, select your troops. Um, you're only able to select five troops to move, or five, not five troops, excuse me, five generals to move to the next, um, or to another castle or kingdom. Um, if you're imagining this board, for those of you listening at home, imagine, like you said, big Final Fantasy tactics, risk board, there's probably 80 castles or 80 little forts you can move to and invade. There's another probably 30 or 40 villages which are just used as like midway points in between castles. You can't actually enter them, but your troop, your generals and troops can stop there. Uh, there's a strategy behind that because every time your castle is attacked, uh, your castle gets a little smaller and it fortifies less. 
And the whole purpose on fortifying your castle, there's two reasons. One, you get a few extra defensive points if you have a big, strong castle. And two, um, you get more troops at a more fortified castle. What I mean by that is, like, if you went and fought into a battle and lost all 100 troops, you would have to regain those troops from a castle and sometimes it takes a while for those troops to build up another part of the strategy you want to make sure your castles are always fully kept up on troop levels in case you have to resupply right okay no that that sounds really cool it's a strategy game that's got amazing graphics uh beautiful sprites the music's good Um, when this game came out it was rated exceptionally well um, in the EGM greatest games of all time, this ranks at 111, which sounds yeah. like ass. But when you're talking about the, you know, how many games have been made in the history of time? I mean, <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Are we at a hundred thousand yet? We probably are. Um, I, I'm surrounded right now by a little over 3000 in my room. You know, I'd be hard pressed, you know, to pick a hundred and eleventh would still be a great game in my collection, let alone all the games in the world. Um, <laughs> So yeah, this is definitely a winner. It is definitely something that I think if you're a Saturn owner, you should own. Unfortunately, shame on me, I don't. Uh, I didn't start collecting Saturn until, uh, gosh, maybe four years ago, I think. I, growing up, oh. I, yeah, I had a very good friend that was a Saturn collector. Uh, I collected almost initially almost exclusively for the Sega CD and the original Nintendo. Um, okay. And when we would go out to these different places looking for games if there were any saturn games or if i found one in the wild that was good i would just uh just give it to him and he would do likewise for a lot of sega cd titles and stuff like that and one very famously like in my world anyway um time that this happened is we entered into basically a thrift shop and uh i beelined for the games and immediately saw albert odyssey for the saturn for i think it was 2.99 jesus and, yeah very reluctantly handed it to him i said hey you you did good today and a week later he sold it so <laughs> wow yeah and then i i traded him a guitar for what he had left left of his collection unfortunately most of the good rpgs that he had had were gone so i was left with you know, uh, the Hulk and Lynx Golf and some other crap and a couple of Saturns. And I was like, okay, well, you know, now I guess I'm going to start collecting for it. And since then, I have picked up Hands of Dragon Saga, Shining Force 3, Resident Evil, you know, some big-name titles. But mm-hmm. this is one that has eluded me. It's uh, it's often on eBay, but it goes for right around $100, right? Oh. Um, not cheap. You own a copy, right? Yeah, I bought this thing brand new back in seventh grade or eighth grade. Never, uh, never came out. Wow! And you just still have it. Oh yeah, I I don't trade anything in. That's a that's a good practice to have. Let me tell you, I, if <laughs> if I had had the majority of the games that I had when I was a kid, and the only stuff that I saved was Sega CD. I still have my copy of Snatcher and the original mm-hmm. Sega CD I have and stuff. But I had you know Inbox, you know Chrono Trigger and all the Final Fantasies and all that stuff, and I traded it all in for Magic cards when I was about fifteen years old, and I definitely do regret that. Um, yeah. But, funny story about Chrono Trigger since I'm thinking about it right now and I will probably never review it because Derek and Don already have just just to add some length and this is a cool story I actually played Chrono Trigger before anyone you personally know more than likely that's because the shop that I used to hang out at 
got in copies of Chrono Trigger uh, three days, I believe, before the official release date. Wow. And, yeah. And he wasn't going to sell them to anyone. You know, I said, hey, are those for sale? Because I saw them, you know, and I was waiting for my copy. And he said, no, they, they come out in three days, you know. I said, okay, cool. But then the next day on the bus, one of my best friends was talking about how he was playing Chrono Trigger and how badass it was. And I was like, this motherfucker <laughs> right here, how'd you get it? And he was like, well, I told him I'd give him an extra 20 bucks. So instead of 80 he paid $100 for this thing. So I went in, I said, hey, man, I'll give you another 20 bucks if you let me walk out. And he's like, yeah, sure thing. So then wow. I stayed up all night playing Chrono Trigger to catch up with uh, my friend. His name was Damon. And uh, I I remember, you know, we were going back and forth spoiling things for each other because maybe I'd be an hour ahead of him, you know, after that 24-hour <laughs> session. But then he'd get ahead of me because I fell asleep early because I was so exhausted, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember tricking him into thinking that we both agreed there had to be a secret character because there was a uh, six slot there. And I tricked him into thinking it was Dalton. Um, <laughs> and he thought it was uh, Janice. And he was reluctantly, I admitted, okay, you're right, because Janice grows up to be Magus. And, you know, I'm not spoiling anything here. If you're listening to this show, I'm sure you've played through Chrono Trigger. But anyway, so there's yeah. that little story. Now, Back to Dragon Force at a hundred dollars, James. You're an, you're an owner of this game. You bought it for probably forty, fifty bucks when it came out. Yes. Do you think you would pay a hundred dollars for this game? Oh man, that I would say yes because yeah. I have never seen anything like this game. I mean, it is unique. It um, is. It's definitely unique. The artwork is fantastic. The music is great. I don't know if you you probably sampled some of the music watching the Let's Let's Play. Oh, for sure. And I'll I'll be putting some either behind us as we're speaking, or I can put in your favorite thing right now. Music's great. The artwork is just amazing, especially for that time period. Like you said, especially for the Sega Saturn. I mean, it just shows what that system could produce. Um, storyline, it, it, it has a storyline. And if you play through all eight um, campaigns, which you're going to want to do, I mean, each campaign can take anywhere from probably, gosh, eight hours to 20 hours. But you're going to want to play them. I've 
played through all of them. Um, I've been playing this game for the last, hell, my 32, about, about 15, 18 years. Every every six months a year, I pick it up and just play through a storyline, you know? And so That's I would say absolutely yes, because I played this so much. It's so unique. It's so amazing. It did spawn a sequel yeah. that unfortunately never saw um, United States, but yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes you want to speak Japanese, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is the bane of my existence. Uh, Police Knots is another big one for me because Snatcher is is my favorite game, and mm-hmm. that's the sequel. Never made it over here. There is a fan translation, but as we've determined in this episode, I'm not overly tech savvy, and yeah. um, you know I've set up emulators before for other systems. I've done the Sega CD, uh, Dreamcast. I've burnt games for those systems and stuff, and you know I know how the system works, burning ISOs and running them and so on and so forth. With the Saturn. It's such another animal because the way the Saturn works is my understanding it has multiple processors. It was such a beast to program for that it wasn't until recently, supposedly, that you could run emulation perfectly. Um, the old hmm. emulators would run 75% of the games, but then these you know, 15, 20 titles just wouldn't work or would be glitchy as fuck. And then this other emulator might run those, but it wouldn't run these other ones or whatever. And supposedly I'd heard that Saturn with the new SF, SSF, which I'm not sure what that stands for, obviously Sega Saturn and then Fantastic, I don't know. But that program could run everything. So I downloaded it, I followed all the instructions. You're supposed to download an additional thing called Daemon Tools or Demon Tools or something of that nature. Mm. I, I followed everything to the letter. I watched a tutorial that was made for children, basically. It was so stupid and to the letter, and I did everything, and it just flat wouldn't work. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong there. I thought about doing the swap trick. I don't know if any of our listeners are screaming at their... Um, you know, whatever device they're listening into right now. Hey, why didn't you do the swap trick? Um, I didn't want to ruin my Sega Saturn. I have heard that the swap trick can uh, cause problems with the lasers, which are already pretty fragile. And you're talking about a system that's, you know, what, 22 years old or something now? Yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar, James, or the listeners with the swap trick, but what it does is you burn the CD to just your, you know, or the ISO to a CD. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you put in a real, quote-unquote, Sega Saturn game, and you let it load up past the boot screen. Then you pop the Sega Saturn open real quick, and you put in your fake game, and because it read past the corrupt data that is used to prevent um, doing exactly what you're trying to do, play a burned game, uh, it already read that data, it'll play your burned game on your Sega Saturn. But by opening... The system, while the laser beam is going, you can cause damage to the game that you put in there or the laser beam itself, and it just didn't seem worth it to me. I do have two Sega Saturns, but um, one doesn't work so great, and the other's perfect, and I I didn't want to fuck with either one of those, you know. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, I'm more of a purist anyway. I like to play these things on a big screen TV and, you know, the way it was intended and uh, try and put myself back to that, uh, you know. And, yeah, I can run an HDMI cable from my laptop here or whatever, but it's just not not the same to me. Um, okay, so this is, uh, this is definitely one I'm going to pick up. Uh, I suggest everyone listening to do the same. If you're a Saturn collector, you probably already own this game. It's a... Uh, Literally number one, I have a literal list that's sitting right in front of me, and this is number one on the list of games to buy. Um, I do want to uh, give a shout-out to another listener and, like, just a mini-review. Um, I don't know, James, if you've seen uh, Bajorn 
posting on Twitter and different media that I'm on. He's a listener from Sweden. Who, yeah, I have. Yeah, he's a great guy. Great guy. We're in correspondence quite a bit. He, he talks to me every day about things from landscaping to how his kids are doing to whatever. You know, it's uh, he's become a, a real friend. You know, it's it's so weird that you know people not only are listening to me but uh are you know you i consider you a friend and bajorn and there's all these people that are you know it's like i've never met you but we have this common bond of just love for these old games and and we're able to uh fast become friends because of it and here's a guy that doesn't even uh wasn't even american born you know he speaks english very well but um that you know same thing you know he he loves games and we talk about games quite a bit and so on and so forth well he tricked me this guy asked me for uh, a mailing address because he wanted to send me quote-unquote something i assume you know maybe some fan art or maybe some cakes or cookies his wife had made or something like that he sent me a game and Uh-oh. yeah that game was warhammer for the sony playstation uh, I had okay. never played it before. I don't know if you have, James. It, I have not. I've seen it, though. Is it a first-person shooter, or what is it? No, no. This is a uh, much... Not not the same, but not different. It's a real-time strategy game, kind of it like... It is. Yeah, yeah. And it takes place in the Warhammer world, if you've ever heard of uh, the Warhammer tabletop oh, yeah. game, where you, you know... I've dabbled. I've yeah, dabbled. Yeah, I, I, I played as well a little bit. I didn't care for that. This game's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you command your different troops in real time, and they each have different abilities. Um, you can unlock things throughout the game by, uh, like, one of the pro tips he gave me is in the very first area, uh, just attack. You're supposed to protect these villagers from uh, this marauding group of like orcs or something. I can't recall. But he said instead of just doing that right off the bat and meeting them into battle, run over here to this building and just burn it to the ground. Just attack that building and there'll be a little shiny golden thing that you can pick up and it's an artifact. Well, I tried numerous times I couldn't find it, so maybe I was just attacking the wrong building or something. But even so, it was a lot of fun. Um, there's uh, voice acting in it where, you know, when you command to charge, you, they'll yes, my lord, and charge, and things like that. <laughs> and really neat stuff. Uh, graphically, it's not a powerhouse. This is the PlayStation 1, but it looks pretty good. Is it like a StarCraft type game? Uh, a little bit. It's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, a little bit like StarCraft or Dota or something like that, yeah. Okay. Um, it's a good game, and Bajorn said, you know, during his childhood, he spent countless hours on it. He just wanted me to maybe play an hour or two. He knew that, you know, my time is pretty precious. You know, I've got a kid, uh, two years old. Uh, we run a daycare. You can probably, maybe you can't, James, but other people can probably hear off my mic the kids screaming downstairs right now, despite me having more or less soundproof this room I'm recording in. Um so that's always a constant going on in my house, you know, uh, with a kid. And then I work uh, until very recently. I've been working 60 hours a week. So, you know, my time is precious. But I did put in a couple hours, and I did like the games, Jorn. Super cool that he sent me that. Uh, yeah, I'm awesome. completely humbled by it. You know, I wasn't looking to get free shit. I don't know what he paid for it. Um, I would say if it's in the $20 range, it's definitely worth a pickup. If it's more than that, I don't know that I would pay for it, but if you're a big strategy RPG, you know, real-time kind of guy, like you sound like you definitely are, this might be one you check out. So, uh, okay. again, thanks, Bajorn. And I uh, also want to give a shout-out to Dan, who's tweeted a couple times on uh, 
uh, Twitter offered to help me with uh, audio problems I've been having and such. And then, of course, you, James, uh, you know, you've you've been a constant contributor and uh, written me numerous um, emails over the past year and a half or so that I've been doing this podcast. And early on, it was really, you know, virtually no one was writing me and giving me any support. I felt like I was talking to the air. You know, I didn't know if anyone was really listening or not for the longest time. And then people started writing in and everything else. But you were there right from the get-go, and I really appreciate uh, that. Uh, you really kept me going through those first few episodes. So thanks, bud. Hey, I appreciate that. And thank you for doing this show. This is great. This is, I look forward to this every single month. So keep doing what you're doing, man. This is fantastic. I love doing it. You know, it, it gives me an opportunity to, uh, kind of warrant in my mind, at least owning all this shit that I own, uh, that I've <laughs> spent so long collecting. Like, obviously I'm not going to play every one of these games, you know, in a given year that I just, I couldn't do it even if I had infinite time. So, uh, having a forum where I can discuss, you know, some of the more, you know, powerful, expensive games that are in my collection is really great. Anyway, yeah. James is, uh, is there anywhere that people can reach you if they want to reach out and say, Hey, I heard you on that podcast. You'd be great to be on my podcast or whatever. Yeah. Um, I actually set up a, um, email address specifically for this. <laughs> And it is a nickname you gave me. It's uh, goodbuddyjames at gmail.com. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Goodbuddyjames at yeah, gmail.com. And I'm also on Twitter, uh, Jay Milholland. Um, Jay, last name, M-I-L-L-H-O-L-L-A-N-D. Feel free to follow me on Twitter. That'd be Yeah, that'd be cool. So if you're listening and you like James and you think he should do more stuff or be on the show again, definitely write me or tweet at me that, hey, James did a great job. Bring him back. He's a cool guy. Definitely were in my book. I'd love to have you back any time. So yeah, we'll kudos on something. that. Of course, you can reach me, and I failed to do this at the last episode, so you can reach me via email at simonbelmont at outlook.com. That's simon, S-I-M-E. E-N Belmont at Outlook.com, so Simon, not Simon. Or you can just catch me at Twitter, at RetroKel, that's K-H-E-L. Um, that's about it. I, I want to say there was something else I wanted to talk about, and I'm just completely blanking right now. So, Well, I, I did want to sh- just throw a shout-out to my uh, Valley High School Retro Video Game Club. If you guys are listening, woohoo, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> You had a retro video game club? I, I want to get into this a little bit. Yeah, I actually currently am part of it now. I, um, I'm a teacher at Valley High School, and yeah, they're, uh, I started my own club, and it's the one group I can like bring them in, and I show them some you know, YouTube clip of something, and we talk about the old stuff, and then they, of course, break out all their new video games and play that afterwards. But Sure. I do. We do talk a little bit about the uh, the older things, or I teach them a little bit about the old stuff, and I show them what their, you know, their Wii um Smash Brothers characters where they came from and they're amazed to, know, to think right. that Little Mac actually had a game before you know the most recent Punch Out game and there were other Zeldas before the most recent one but yeah fun yeah it it is definitely uh, more than a little disheartening when someone has and you know myself included a phone in their pocket that is a hundred times more powerful than the system we grew up with you know <laughs> like, <laughs> probably a thousand times more powerful I mean, oh yeah you can. Uh, on a fraction of the memory on my current, I've got an iPhone SE. I can fit every Nintendo game ever made. I could probably fit okay. every Super Nintendo game. I, easy, easy. It's friggin' ridiculous to me. And these are things that it doesn't seem that long ago I was spending, uh, you know, 
$80, as I said, with Chrono Trigger on, on a Super Nintendo game, and that would fit on a fraction of, you know, a corner of this thing that I have now that everyone has in their pocket. So, yeah, technology is a thing that, you know, unfortunately, I never thought it would happen to me, but it's definitely happening. You know, I'm, you said you were 32, I'm 36. Um, I, it's something I noticed with my stepfather when I was a kid. We, you know, he would get on the family, you know, computer, which, you know, he had no business of being on. And, uh, just the simplest things would elude him, you know, email, uh, you know, clicking on an icon to get it to open or whatever like that, you know, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and I'd have to show him the same thing 10 times. And now I'm entering that realm of, you know, it's like, now I'm the big dumb idiot and all this new technology, uh, just seems to elude me because it doesn't work the way I, I think it should, you know. <laughs> so no, I'm right there with you. I <sighs> I don't emulate games at all, but I did I did emulate. I wanted to emulate uh, Shining Force for the CD. So Shining Force CD, oh, yeah, I just couldn't sure. buy it. I couldn't find it, and I just I finally asked my video game club, like, hey, you guys know where this is? And bam, I had it. Like next day, here it is on a little you know thumb drive. Like, oh wow! Nice. Okay, I know where to go now if I need uh, technical support. That younger generation, they got it figured out. Luckily for me, I picked up Shining Force CD, um, gosh, it's, it had to have been 15 years ago for about 50 bucks, which was, you know, even back then, that was a lot of money for a Sega CD game, but mm-hmm. it was one I just really wanted. But one, have you played through it? I am about halfway through it. Okay. Shining Force 1 is my one of my favorite games. Of oh, all time. absolutely. I own, it, like, yeah. I own it for four different systems right now, including my phone. It's on oh, my yeah. Head. <laughs> I have it for Dreamcast, uh, Genesis, PlayStation 2, I think. I think I have yeah, it on PS2. It's on a Genesis Collections or something like that for PS3, I think, also. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, I, I think just the three for me. No, I, I have it on Game Boy Advance, so I have it on I four different systems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this, yeah, I'll be... Yeah, um, what a great game. And 2 is also just one of my absolute favorite games. Um I haven't played through three yet because I'm I'm worried that because it's only one of three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Upset it, me. I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to have to play this because I just want to play it so badly, but uh, I don't read Japanese and yeah, I don't emulate really. So, yeah, it's going to be something I, uh, I don't know. May, I may just never play. But Shining Force CD, I did try to play through. I haven't played through the final campaign. I do have a uh, CD backup for the Sega CD, which is required if you want to play that. Although hmm. I'm sure with emulation, excuse me, with emulation, you'd be uh, able to. I don't know if you are you emulating it or are you running it off of a burnt disc. That one I emulated. That's the only game I've ever emulated, and that was it. Yeah, if you're emulating it, I'm sure you'll have no problem with issues of memory. But the game was so big. In order to or, what it was was it was two games from uh, the Game Gear combined into one CD. And then there's a third chapter that is only unlockable if you have a save for the other two games beaten, right? Interesting, interesting. And it takes so much memory to have both those saves that you have to have the backup cart that was is kind of rare now. You know, they go for 50 to 80 bucks um, to be able to save that much memory. And when I say that much, I mean, I'm talking about like 128 megabits or something. I mean, it's nothing to today's standards. <laughs> yeah. You know, looking at this, gosh, I'll pull it. I got it right behind me. Let me see how many, uh, it doesn't even say how many bits this is. 
anywhere on it. Yeah, it's, I can't imagine this is more than like 500 megabits or something. But the original Sega CD would only hold, uh, I think, a total of 64, something like that, which was good enough for one save. So you could play it, uh, play and beat both of them, but you couldn't, or you couldn't beat the third game. You could play it, but you couldn't save. That's what it was. Yeah, so you had to have the cart to be able to save. So anyway. I I could talk about this kind of stuff for hours. <laughs> Sorry. Me too. Anyway, uh, yeah. If you ever just want to call and just talk about old shit, just give me a ring, man. Um, yeah, yeah. You've been a great guest. This has been, I believe, a great show. Provided I didn't fuck things up on my end with the recording. Um, definitely welcome back anytime, my friend James Mulholland. Uh, we'll see you next time, guys. See you later.
What? You thought I wasn't going to mention Beyond the Fire and Flames? This is a Dragon Force episode. Of course I'm going to play that shit. Let's play. 